Our reading this morning is found in 2 Corinthians. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. One of the most out of the, the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You know, we've been talking about what it means to be called by God, and last week Pastor uh, Scott talked about uh, as a result of our calling, we are to care for people, we are to love them, both the ones who are within our fellowship and those who are without. And the common example that Jesus uses is the, is the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember that story again about the guy that was beaten and left for dead, and uh, two religious people, what happened? They passed by on the other side, and they didn't notice him, they didn't help him. But this one guy, the Samaritan, who's the sworn enemy, he's the one that stops and offers to reach out to him. And as he reaches out, he becomes very generous. And today, I want to just, we want to talk about generosity and what that means and how we can be more generous when it comes to God's gift. Because generosity always starts with God, doesn't it? That's what generosity does. As He fills us with His grace, it just overflows so that we are generous people. The example that you, that you heard just a couple minutes ago was that of the Macedonians. And Macedonia is in the northern part of Greece. And uh, the example that Paul uses was as a result of, of a problem that was happening in the church. And that was at Jerusalem. Evidently, there was a famine, a severe famine that was there. And people were starving to death. And so Paul goes to the churches that he had established and he says, hey, let's help them out. And sure enough, it was the Macedonians that gave everything that they, that they could, but even beyond what they could. It says, out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and the extreme poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. 2,000 years later, the Macedonians are still an example of generosity. Uh, they begged for the opportunity, it says in our text today. Six times the word grace is used to describe the reason why they were so generous. Grace, as God gives us what we don't deserve, as He blesses us to overflowing proportions, we become generous people. 
And at the end of this, in verse 7, see that you also, speaking to believers, including us, under the Holy Spirit, see that now you also excel in this grace of giving, this generosity. It all starts with God. Yeah, I always enjoy what the psalmist says in, one, in Psalm 145, when it says, Lord, you open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. Think about how God has opened his hand to you. Think about how he has blessed you in so many ways. And to top it all off, the greatest blessing that we have is reminded to us when we look at the cross. Paul puts it this way, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Jesus became poor. He humbled himself in Philippians to became obedient even unto death on the cross. And yet by his poverty, we now are the ones who become rich. We are the richest people in all the universe because of God's grace, that we know that we have an eternal future, that our sins are forgiven, that God has establish a living relationship with Him. And so giving starts with God. But you know, what happens when we don't understand God's grace? What happens if you feel cheated in your life? What happens when you start to compare what you have with other people and you say, that's just not fair? Well, that's when we get involved in graceless giving. And graceless giving uh, is where people give begrudgingly or with the wrong motives. Rather than giving as a result of overflowing grace in their heart, giving back becomes a should. Generosity is, oh, it's something that I have to do. I know pastor talks about that. Well, it's a fact that you can give without loving. Let me say that again. You can give without love in your heart. Some people give under pressure or to impress other people or simply to get a tax deduction. I want to give you three vivid examples or word pictures here to help you understand about giving. One type of giving uh, re reverts back to the flint. You know what a flintstone is? A flintstone, if you strike it, right, hard enough, what happens? What's the result? You get a spark and you get a fire. If you were ever a Boy Scout, if you ever went on a survival camp out, it always looks easier in the movies than it does in person. I can tell you that. But in order to, to get the spark, what do you have to do to the flintstone? You have to, you have to hammer it. You have to strike it. You have to hit it hard. And sometimes that's the approach that we get when we are, are presented with generosity. You get hammered. And you get hammered with guilt. And you get hammered with phone calls. And you get hammered with mailings and other slick kinds of fundraising requests, but in the end, you still feel like you're being hammered. Well, that is not grace-filled giving, is it? Another picture would be that of the sponge. You know, a sponge soaks up liquid, soaks up water, but in order to release the water, what do you have to do with a sponge? You have to squeeze it. And sometimes people feel like the only way that, that they can give or be generous is if they're squeezed. And the more you get squeezed, the more you're supposed to give. That's not grace-filled giving either. I, uh, I, I, I enjoyed reading the story about a guy. He had heard a wonderful message on giving from his pastor. And he was so moved by God that he went in the next day and said, Pastor, can I see you? And he said, Pastor, I'm going to 
commit to tithing for the rest of my life. I'm going to give 10% of everything that I make to God and for His purposes. And uh, they went in, into the church, and, and he knelt down before the altar, and he made that promise before God and before the pastor. The first year, he made $10,000, and he was happy to give $1,000 as his tithe. A few uh, years later, he was up to $100,000. And again, he was happy to, to, to tie that first part to $10,000 to the Lord and His purposes. Then he got to a million dollars. And again, he, uh, he was able to give and willing to give from his heart $100,000 as his work for the Lord. But that's when he called the pastor and he says, Pastor, I need to talk to you. This tithing thing has got to stop. It was fine when I made $10,000 and $1,000 was my, was my gift, but I just cannot afford $600,000 now that my income is $6 million. And pastor, you've got to do something. How can I get out of this promise that I made before you and before God? He was feeling squeezed, wasn't he? Well, the pastor knelt on the floor by his desk for some time. Eventually, the man said, pastor, what are you doing? Are you praying that God would let me out of my tithe, out of my promise? No, the pastor said. I'm praying for God to, t to reduce your income back to when you felt $1,000 was a proper amount. <laughs> the Macedonians are held up as an example because it says they gave of their own free will. They weren't hammered like a flint. They weren't squeezed like a sponge. But it was God's grace that filled them. Six times in this passage, grace is mentioned. And as a result, it was the grace of God that overflowed. That's what caused them to be generous people. And that leads us then to a, to a third kind of, of uh, picture for us, and that is the honeycomb. You know, in the wild, a honeycomb can just overflow with sweetness toward the end of summer, maybe this time of year, honey just oozes out of the honeycomb as a result of the, of the abundance of the honey that has been produced within the hive. And friends, the honeycomb picture is the closest that we can come to grace-filled generosity. Here at Cornerstone Lutheran Church, we don't want to hammer you, okay? We don't want to squeeze you, but we want you to understand God's grace. And that's why every single week we meet underneath the cross. And when you know how much God loves you, that you don't deserve it, that you haven't earned it, but He loves you the way that you are, and He takes away your sins, and He gives you hope and, a, and, and peace in your heart and in your life, and you know where you're headed, not just today, but you know where you're headed for eternity. And when that grace fills your heart, it overflows so that we give, we are generous, we love, we reach out to others all because God first loved and gave and reached out to us. You know, you can give without loving. We've seen that. But friend, let me tell you something. You cannot love without giving. Let me say that again. You cannot love God and you cannot love others without giving. When you think about it, God is love. And how did He prove that love? For God so loved the world that what did He do? He... He gave, and He gave, and He gave, and He keeps on giving to you and me. And it's because of that that we are generous people. Let me just give you three, three things that I see in, in this kind of, of, of giving that, that the Lord would call us to do as a result of His grace. First of all, we give generously. 
when it comes to our gifts, we are generous people. And it simply follows a, a principle or a law that God sets forth in His Word. In fact, in the next chapter, the Apostle Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever gives generously will also reap generously. Now, that's an agriculture kind of metaphor. If you plant, if you sow a lot of seed, chances are you're going to get a lot of plants and you're going to get a lot of fruit as a result. The harvest will be great. And the same, if you give generously, what's going to happen is there will be a reaping that will be generous as well. Uh, I praise God for the many of you who are able to give generously as a result of God's grace. And what does God do with your generous gifts? He uses them, <laughs> he uses them for a generous harvest. And we see this uh, here in our ministry here. I have to say thank you for all of those for your generous gifts. And it's not just your money that I'm talking about. Every week we have hundreds of hours given by volunteers to make this ministry happen. You are sowing generously with your time, with, with your talents, your, your abilities, with your resources that God has given to you. And look what's happening. Uh, this year we are on track to have close to 100 baptisms, 100 children touched by the grace of God to connect them to Himself. This past year we had over 50 people commit to following Christ for their lives in the rite of confirmation. Well over a thousand people each week attend right now seven different worship services at different times. In two, less than two weeks, it's going to be nine services a weekend. And there God's Word is, is received with joyful hearts and ears, that, that the sacrament is shared so that people have the assurance of the forgiveness of their sins. Each week, hundreds of disciples are built up in their faith through the many and varied Bible studies that we have and fellowship groups that happen. As a result of generosity, the grace of God just kind of oozing like the honeycomb. We see it in so many people so that now we're having a, a, another campus that's going to be dedicated in less than two weeks over in Fishers. That happens as a result of generous gifts. Thank you. You know, over a quarter million dollars was given last year as a result of your generosity to ministries to help other people here in central Indiana and around the world. He who sows generously will also reap generously, and that's what we're seeing. Secondly, we give cheerfully. The Macedonians excelled in the grace of giving, and one of the things that resulted was the joy that they experienced in their generosity. I don't know about you, I've found that some of the most joyful people are also some of the most generous people. They just are. On the other hand, stingy people who hold on to everything and are always trying to get more and more from themselves, for themselves, are often the most self-absorbed, are often the most resentful, and sometimes the most angry people. The Germans have a word for this, for this truth. It's called geizig. It even sounds bad, doesn't it? It's the shortened form of the words geisis nicht geil, or it can be translated, stinginess is neither cool nor fun. Okay? Paul puts this under the Holy Spirit in the next chapter when he writes, each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. 
You know, you've heard the phrase, give till it hurts. That's not scriptural. Here it says, give till you find joy. And that's what happens when you overflow with the grace of God in your life. It results in a joy that, that other things in this world cannot offer to you. <laughs> not only do we give cheerfully, but we also give expectantly. When we give uh, as a result of God's grace alive in us, we are the ones who are blessed. We are moved by God's grace to give expectantly, knowing that God will bless us. Uh, look at the passage from Malachi chapter 3. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. You know, nowhere else in the Bible does God say that we should test Him. But when it comes to this whole area of giving to God generously of our first fruits, He says, test me. See if I'll not bless you in ways that you'll ne- you won't even be able to, 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 to fathom. Uh, God's grace oozes forth like the honeycomb, and you overflow, and as a result, God is faithful, and He will bless you. And it's not so much that we're trying to, to get the kind of blessings that are financial, uh, although God sometimes and often does do that, but He blesses us in so many other ways. One of my favorite passages comes from Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Well, when we honor the Lord with the first fruits of our wealth, God promises to bless us. You know, normally the math is this. You take your gross income and you give away the top portion of it. That's first fruits giving. So that then math would say that you have less to live on, right? But God's math is different. He says you take what what I give you because it's mine to begin with and then you give away the first portion of it, but in the end, you're going to have more than you had at the beginning. That's God's math. That's what we find in His Word. That is generosity that is given in a generous, a cheerful, and an expectant way. What does honoring God with my first fruits do? I just want to share three blessings that I found in my life that when it comes to, to giving, what does it do for what has it done for me? First of all, it renews my gratitude. When I understand what God has done for me and I'm able to give then as a result of that, it helps me to say one thing, and that is, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for me. Uh, You know, it's all His to begin with, but for some reason, He's given me this to be a caretaker or a steward, as sometimes we call it. And when I honor Him and I set aside the first portion of my income, it renews my gratitude. It helps me say thank you. What does giving do? Secondly, it reminds us, it reminds me of my provider. Who's the one who really provides? When you give away the first fruits of your income, there are times when human logic, human wisdom says, boy, I sure could have used that. I could have got a better car. I could have gone on a nicer vacation. I could have invested more in my kids or my grandkids. And so you're you're creating in some ways a void when you give something away. It's something that you no longer have. You let go of it, right? But what does God do? When you give it away, you understand that God's the one who gave it to you in the first place. And if He wants you to have something, He'll give it to you. He'll give you even more. 
I, I fall back on Philippians 4:19. It says, My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So that when I give away what I think I really need, it causes me to trust God that he's going to provide for me. It's a matter of faith, isn't it? When I give away, I am reminded that God is my provider. And finally, first fruits giving refreshes our joy. You know, there are not many things on this earth that can bring lasting joy. Stuff breaks, houses get old, vacations end, our bodies wear down, our kids talk back. We could go on and on. But as I honor God with the first fruits of what He's given me, it brings joy in my heart to know that God will use my gift to connect people eternally with His grace. And you just look at the joy that happens, even here at, at Cornerstone Lutheran. You know, what, what do you think is the most joyful time of our worship service? I'll tell you when I see the most smiles. What time do you think that is? The children's message. Uh, you just look around when all these little kids come up here and us pastors are fumbling, fumbling around to try to keep their attention and, and doing all these kinds of things and, and make a simple point and yet a spiritual point. You just see a lot of joy. Not only in the kids, but you see it in the adults because God is touching these kids' lives for eternity as they know more and more about Jesus and trust in Him for their lives. And it's like that all across our ministry. It brings joy to know that God takes our gifts and He uses them for an eternal purpose. There's no other kind of eternal investment that any of us can make that brings more lasting joy. So today we talk about generosity, and I hope you don't feel like a flint, that you're being hammered, nor do you, should you feel like a sponge, like you're being squeezed, but like a honeycomb, that God's grace would just ooze forth in His love for you and that love that spills over in Jesus. One other thing, when, in your worship folder there was a little yellow uh, card like this, if you would take that out. And this is not something that you're going to turn in. This is simply for you to help you to, to think about this and to pray about this challenge of grace-filled giving. And what we are asking you to do in the first box uh, to check is to re prayerfully review, reflect on, on how you're doing. Just ask yourself that, that, that difficult question. How am I doing in my, in my generous giving? Or am I just using what God has given me for, our, for ourselves? And second of all... Am I willing to grow in this grace of giving with God's, with God's help that I could increase my... And you know, for some of, of, of you, maybe this is something new for you. And maybe you just need to take some baby steps. Even if you're only making a commitment, you know, the, the, the tithe is the biblical goal, but you can go beyond that, okay? And you can start below that too but that you honor God with the first portion of your income, even if it's only 5% or even 2%. you got to start somewhere, but you're saying, God, you're number one. And I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and the promise is all these other things that will be added to you too. Or maybe uh, you're already a first fruits giver, and perhaps God is calling you to do a reset, to consider giving more as a result of the grace, again, like that honeycomb that is just overflowing in your life. You know, the disciples weren't always keen on being challenged by Jesus. 
But you know what? Jesus challenged him anyway. And I hope that all of us are challenged today by this message on grace-filled generosity. That rather than passing by on the other side, like the, like the Good Samaritan, we see people, the need. We see that people are facing a Christless eternity. And we're willing to overflow with the grace that God has given to us. And so may God use us, the gifts that we are able to offer back to Him as we carry out this important mission to reach out, care for, and build people in a relationship in Jesus. God bless you.